Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Thank you, Lord. So, I have the wonderful privilege of sharing the word with you guys today. Um... I really feel the Lord has something he wants to say. Sometimes you kind of like, there's just a theme in your life and you share that. Um, But God's been talking to me about this for like a week and a half without me asking for it. So that's what you're getting this morning is everything God's been saying to me for the last week and a half. Um, But, and thank you for the cake and the birthday song, by the way. It was very sweet, and I feel special to get to spend it with you guys. So, thank you. Um, Okay, so, for me, you guys know this about me. I'm a doer, Killa Kelly, and um, I always have lists of things I need to get done. The Lord knows what my goals are, okay? I tell him, usually, and then he corrects me, but I'm like, this is my five-year goal. So to get there, let me backtrack and plan for today. And this is what I need to do today to get to that five-year goal. And I will start my day like this, 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 and that, right? And I set all these great and lofty dreams for myself, and then I wake up, and none of that happens. You know, my husband can attest that I have a forever goal of working out, and that I forever never do it. And so, like, every day, I'll be like, you know, if I just did, like, a yoga class or if I went for a run, I think that it would really clear my mind and I would be on track and all this stuff, right? And then I'm like, I'm going to do it. Like, tomorrow when I wake up and I set my alarm and I do all that stuff and I make my list of my goals and then something happens. A kid has a nightmare and he comes in our room at 5 a.m. and we're up. Or um, I sleep through my alarm, which happens often because I love to sleep. And whatever it is, something gets in the way and then it's like, okay, I'll do it after work. Okay, no problem. I'll just, I'll, I'll adjust. I'm flexible. And then, you know, the day goes on and after work happens and it's like, you know what sounds better than working out? A nap. A nap sounds better than working out, right? Uh, Let me make myself sound lazy. But I set all these goals for myself, and I tell the Lord. And how many of you guys, um, there there are certain types of people that I love to talk to. Um, I love to talk to the people who listen. You know, like when you're at a dinner party, and it's like, oh, that person was my favorite. They were your favorite because they didn't talk about themselves. They were your favorite because they listened to you. You're like, oh my gosh, they were interested in my life. They asked me inquisitive questions. They wanted to know about my family and my kids. For some reason, I just love them. You love them because it was all about you. Right? There's no topic like me that's better. I want to kind of confront our selfishness today. Um, I feel very convicted that I have been so selfish because I am constantly focused on what my goals are and my purpose and what I need to do 
in good standing with the Lord for my family, for my husband, with good motive. But I'm so focused on everything that needs to get done in order for us to get somewhere or in order for the church to grow or in order for um, me to see signs and wonders and miracles or whatever it is. And I have the order all figured out. And it's all about me and what I've got to do and what needs to happen. And I think that a lot of times, um, how many of you guys have like a daily routine or, okay, great. I need advice from you. But I know, yeah, like Pastor Donnie, I know he works out like every morning, no matter what, rain or shine, whether he wants to or he doesn't, he goes and he works out every morning. Some people have like a morning routine. I have my coffee, I read my Bible, or I read this certain devotional or whatever. That's what I do every day. Um, Whatever it is, or I wake my kids up and we do songs, whatever your routine is. Um, But there's typically a rhythm to our lives, right? Like, I go to work these days, I'm off these days, we do laundry these days, we grocery shop these days, and there's like this hamster wheel of life that we get on. And we keep going and going and going, and then I'm on autopilot, and I can keep doing it over and over and over again. I know how to feed my kids breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I got it in the cupboard. I know how to like, keep in touch with my friends. I call them on Saturdays and when I drive to the grocery store. Like I know how to do my life that I always do over and over and over and over again. Yeah? And every once in a while, there's something new, like a birthday party. Whoa, big change, you know? Every once in a while, there's like a little extra, like a date night. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, um, but you start to see the same things all the time. I'm looking at the same people. I'm going to the same place for lunch always. I'm, I'm you know, saying the same, singing the same songs to my kids at night. I'm, whatever it is, it, you start to see the same things. And the danger of the routine of life, the danger of like the hamster wheel that we get on is that you stop seeing what's around you because you're so focused on yourself. You're so focused on what needs to get done. Or for me, when I'm hungry, don't cross me. When I'm hungry, there's Matt. Don't even talk to me until I've eaten, okay? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, Just some advice for you. (laughs) Someone bring me a slice of that cake. Um, No, we see the same things all the time. And we're so focused on what our needs are. There we go. My need was hunger. I can't see anything else. Or I'm in pain right now. I can't even think about the next hour. Or I'm contending with God for something for the last 10 years and he hasn't shown up. I can't even pray any other prayer. It's the only prayer I know how to pray because it's a routine I've been in. And I think um, as Christians, we have to get outside of our box. We have to learn that change is totally of the Lord. And a lot of times when change comes, it's because he's trying to shift our perspective. He's trying to change what we see because we're so focused on ourselves. And I'm I'm going to talk for myself. I'm going to pretend like you guys aren't selfish, maybe. But we all have selfishness in us, right? 
but we're so focused on everything I got to do and my routine and what my needs are and getting those things done for my family and my friends and my spouse and all the people around me that I stopped being sensitive to anything else that God needed. Like, if you're not hearing from the Lord, I wonder if there's room in your life. And so... I want to I want to be open to be flexible. I want to be open to see what God sees. I want to see his perspective. I want his eyes for the things around me. I want to be able to take my inward focus and look out. I don't want to be so busy that I'm annoyed with the person in front of me in line because they're being rude. What I would like to do is see them with eyes of love, which is hard because some people are just crabby. They're just difficult. But I would like to see them with eyes of love and actually really truly be able to ask the question, I wonder what's going on in their life to make them that way. And I wonder if there's something that I could do to help ease whatever's going on just in this moment. Maybe I could carry their tray for them. Like maybe if we weren't so focused on ourselves, we would see opportunities to actually reach those in need in small ways. Like we can go be the hands and feet of Jesus so easily, so easily. I can't tell you how, how it changes my perspective of a man who opens a door for me. A man who opens a door for me, I'm like, that's a gentleman. I bet you his mother raised him right. And a man who's like skirts in and runs in before me so he can get a car at the store, I'm like, that's so rude. Why would he do that? My perspective changes based on his action, right? Perspective of us, our perspective will change based on our actions. And our perspective is affected by all kinds of things, right? The things that we see, so like movies, social media. um, We recently, we got rid of TV um, because we have like Hulu and Netflix and all that, right? I think TV is becoming extinct soon, you guys. And... um, Let me just tell you, I buy so much less stuff without TV commercials. I do, because the TV commercials are always like, look at this great shampoo. Don't you know you need it? And then I'm like, I think maybe I do, you know? And then next time you're at the store, it's on sale, and they planned it all out, and they set you up, and you have to get it, and you have to try it. And it never works the way they say it will. But I buy so much less stuff because they've trained me to have a perspective of things in the viewpoint that they wanted for me to see, that I need that. Or like the things that we hear, you know, that you can have a perspective um, that's influenced by music or even conversation or um, lectures or teachings, things like that, like this right now. I'm trying to shift our perspective, like listening to other people around us. And um, I think that what we think makes a huge difference. Joel, can you cue the, the video for me? There's this video. I'm sure most of you have seen it, and I just love it, and I wanted to show it to you guys. It's this little girl in her bathroom, and this is what she tells herself every morning. So Joel, you can press play on that whenever it's ready.
I just love that video, but also it pertains to the sermon. She's in the mirror like, look at me, I'm amazing, I'm great, I love my hair, I love my name, I love my house, I love everything in the whole wide world. I'm trying to have a pep talk like that every single day. Right? But her perspective of herself is shifted by what she says. So the question is, like, are we seeing with God's eyes or are we seeing with ours? I'm always stuck in between that. Like, is this logical or is this faith? Am I being human or am I being Jesus-y, you know? Like, which one, is that a word, Jesus-y? It can be. Um, Which one am I really leaning into and how will I know? So there's, okay, when you got saved, there's like these unspoken steps that like everyone knows, but they don't, you don't really say it, but you just know like this is how it goes. So the first step is, boom, I choose Jesus. You fixed yourself, right? First step is let me do a whole cleaning out of everything because I got to get rid of some stuff in my life. I need to forgive some people. I need to get cleansed, washed new, and sort of change some habits. So that's like step one is the the fixing. And then step two is, okay, now I am full of like righteousness. I know who I am. I'm clean. And I just, I got to learn. I want to read the word and devour it. I'm going to learn how to pray. I want to surround myself with like-minded people. Get me in a small group. I want to worship before the throne. I want to experience God. And you, you gain this hunger for more and more. When you How many of you, when you first got saved, you were like on fire? Do you remember that feeling? You remember that feeling? I don't know why it goes away. But I think it's God's grace to show us so we have things to hang on to when life happens, you know? And then third, okay, so one, you got to fix stuff. Two, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to devour everything I can and learn everything I can about the word. And then three is, I'm going to go tell everybody. I got to go tell my friends and my family about like what God's doing, how he saved me. And I got to get them up in this place so that way they can experience the same thing, right? Everyone agree those are sort of like one, two, three steps of Christianity. And then we just keep duplicating those people over and over. Who here is happy and content with their relationship with God? It just if nothing changed, awesome. If nothing changed in your life right now and you were just like, I'm I'm happy where I'm at. For me, I want more. I want to experience more of him. I want to see somebody in a wheelchair get up because I prayed. Not because of my power, but because of God's. I want to see something that's never been seen before. Something I don't know the name of. I want um, to hear the audible voice of God. I'm afraid of it, but I want to see an angel. I'm scared, but I think it'll be okay. You know, like, there's all these, the more of God I want to experience. I want to just be with him. The moments where I've been with him, I just, I never want it to end. I never want it to end because it, it just fills up every facet of every need. And it, it casts out, like, every fear that I've had. So there's this, like, God, I want more of you, but I'm, like, kind of afraid of what that means. You know, Lord, answer my prayers, but when you do, that's a little scary, you know? 
And that's why like, we're at church right now, because we want to learn, and we want to grow, and we want to be edified in the body. And um, this is part of our spiritual routine. I go to church on Sundays, and I learn from the Lord, and I hear him. And those are all good things, and they're real. But what about outside the walls? Outside the walls, this sermon is for me. I need to hear this sermon. I am fully guilty of everything that I'm preaching about. I feel unqualified to say this, and yet God would not stop talking to me about it. But outside the walls, I'm busy with my life. I'm super busy with my life. And um, you can ask, I'll share. Um, You can ask anybody in my life for the past four years, my husband, my mom, my dad, my sister, my best friends, that this thing happens when I'm out in public for a long time. Um, I have a gift of discernment, and um, I get overwhelmed with what I feel. And I um, usually will see somebody who needs healing, like physical healing for something, and then I panic. I'm just gonna be really brutally honest. I panic because I don't know what to do. My heart is so broken for them, and I want them to be healed, and I want them to be set free, and yet I'm stuck. I'm stuck in all of me, thinking about what will I say? Will I wound them? will Will I make them hate Christianity if I say the wrong thing? What if they don't get healed? If they don't get healed, then what do I do? What if underneath that limp is a fake leg? How do I pray for that to grow back? Like, what, what, how do I do this outside the walls of the church? Okay, if they don't know Jesus, is there, is there a certain eloquent way that I should bring that up? Or, you know, like, Lord, help me. And I sit there and I fight with myself. And I do this thing where I just get silent for like 20 minutes. And a lot of the times I go cry in the bathroom. <laughs> You guys, this is like my life. And traveling with Matt now that we've been married has been really hard because I just have had this struggle. And I remember when I was on fire. I remember when I didn't give a rip and I would just talk to anybody about anything. There was no hesitation in me. I would just go and I would be like, hey, like the Lord says you need prayer for this. Um, Will you let me pray for you? Great, I hope you have a great day and I'm praying, be looking out for that miracle. Like anybody in my life, I would just do it. And now for some reason, I have hesitation and then I sometimes say yes, but I mostly say no because it's inconvenient for me, because I don't want to be judged, because I am uncomfortable, because it feels awkward, because, 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 because. Anybody else? Right? I'm stuck. I'm stuck at step two. And that's what I want to confront this morning is, we got saved, it was awesome. God is rocking my life, and I am so consumed with my own redemption and my world knowing about Jesus that I've closed off a bubble of discipleship to people I know, to my parents only, to my grandparents only, to my relatives only, and I have no eyes to see anything else around me that's in need. And when I do, when God gives the grace 
and the empathy of my heart to show me his love for people that I don't know, I choke. I'm stuck at step two. And I think that's what I've observed in a lot of our church, not this church, but the church at large. We're stuck. We're a church, we're a body that is completely and perfectly fine with the people we know and the people that are like us. I'm going to be in a small group with the people I'm friends with because it's convenient and they get me and then they'll keep my secrets. There's news to you. The church doesn't look like you. The church looks like all different shapes and sizes and colors and ethnicities and people from different socioeconomic statuses, people who are still super deep in sin and people who are crazy in their revelation and wisdom. Like there is no measurement for love. There is no measurement for how God wants to reach his people. They're just his people. And I want to stop qualifying who gets it and who doesn't based on who I love. <laughs> like, it's so easy for me to pray for my uncle who's sick right now. He's in the hospital. He almost died a couple weeks ago. Super easy for me to pray for him and his salvation because we're related and I know. And it's far away. So it's just a text message or a phone call, you know? But... What about the person in line? It's so easy for me to love my kids. So easy for me. Because they're so cute right now. They're seven. They're best friends. They like talk about how they see Jesus in their dreams. It's really adorable, okay? But those are two disciples. Two disciples. And I, I think that... There is so much value. There is like eternal legacy, redeeming crazy value in investing in the family unit, but it is not an excuse for degrading multiplication in other ways. Like we have focused so much on what's inside our own walls that we stop seeing outside of them. Let me take time to read to my kids about what God is doing. How about let me show them and they'll watch. And that's how Jesus made disciples. Jesus made disciples by going and just come with me. Just come with me and watch what I do. Come with me and watch what I do. You know, instead of like focusing my discipleship on my calling being my children, which it is for you families, men and women, instead of making two disciples over 18 years, I can make two every day. But my people I love matter most. So we have to love, we have to figure out how do I find the love of the Father like I have for the people I love the most? How do I find affection for the body of Christ, for people who are gross and rude and unlovable, for people who are untouchable, people who are never supposed to get up and walk again, people who are never supposed to be healed again, people who are so deep in their sin, they're manifesting demons every second. How do I find a love of Christ for them 
like I have for my family. I'm way off my notes. At the altar, I was um, praying and I felt like the Lord, he just reminded me and I just kept saying over and over to him, I remember, I remember, I remember. How many of you have had some sort of encounter with God? He showed up in your life, he's done something, even once, just little, whatever it is. So think about whatever that is. Maybe the biggest one, the, the most memorable one. For me, what I was remembering at the altar was when I was going through the very beginning of my divorce and just that feeling of being unwanted and cast aside and devalued and you name it, I was feeling it. And it was all I could do to get through the day and I would walk into my room and I'd close the door after work and I would just collapse. And I'd lay down on the floor on my stomach and I'd turn my head this way and I'd lay my hands flat and I would just sob laying flat on the ground. And I remember what I remember is that Jesus laid with me and he held my hand and he didn't speak. He didn't say a thing. He just looked at me and he let me weep. And I was at the altar and I was like, I remember how you came and you rescued me. I remember how you met me. And how can I keep that to myself? How can I keep that to myself? What do people do who don't have that? I mean, seriously, there are people going through some really, really, really hard things right now, and they have no resources, and they're pulling from anything. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a bunch of TV shows out about all this spiritual stuff, like, um, what is it, like the, the, the readers, and they like tell you about your dreams, or they like read your future, and there's all this like spiritual, like, oh, let me feel um, the aura in your house, and you have this, these things, or whatever. People are hungry for answers. Like, people are looking for all kinds of solutions to whatever they're going through. I mean, you ask anybody who has a chronic problem, like a knee pain or hip pain, anything like that, I mean, they will do whatever they have to do to find the result or to find healing. They'll go to the chiropractor, to all the specialists. They'll try all the trials. They'll do whatever they got to do to get better. And we have the solution we have the real solution, and I, I think either we stopped believing that it is the solution, or we're just forgetful. I, don't, I think for me, it's not always at the forefront of my mind. I know, I know that I know that I know people need the Lord. I know that we're supposed to evangelize. I know that the body is for everybody. But the knowing is different. We have all kinds of knowledge, but we have no understanding because the understanding creates a change in our perspective and in our attitude, right? I mean, Jesus ascended, sorry. Jesus ascended as his number one plan. As his number one plan for redemption he decided, okay, okay, here, I'm going to be Jesus for a second. I'm not actually Jesus. This is me pretending in my humanity of what I can imagine. 
I have all power and authority of heaven. This is good, right? That's why I wore these sleeves. <laughs> I have all power and authority of heaven. And I haven't been home in 33 years. I'm about to get to go back. The food there is better. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. The last thing I want to say to you, here's just some parting instructions so you know what to do for like a lot of years while I'm not here. Go and make more of these disciples that I made. If you could go and make more disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to obey my word. And don't worry, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send the helper. And this is my grand plan for redemption. You got it? Great. Peace out. See you when I come back. Good job. You got this. Jesus would say it way better than me, but that was my sarcastic impersonation. impersonation. Um, that's the last thing he decided to do. God, in all his power, in all his authority, in all his might, in all his glory, his game plan for redemption is us. The story isn't finished with the resurrection. The story is finished in us, and it's still moving, and it's still growing, and we are stuck. And we have the audacity to cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come. I miss you. Will you come back? I only know you for myself, and I don't share about you, but would you come back? But I know you can't come back because I'm not sharing, but somebody else will share about you, and I'll just wait here because I'm so selfish, and I want you for myself. We have to finish the story. We're part three. He came, he resurrected, and we get to help finish the work of the cross. It's not done, and we get to go do that. And here's the thing. This is not a sermon of, by the way, you got to go do what you're uncomfortable with now and suck it up. That is not what it is. God gives us everything we need. And it's him who does the work, and it's me who does the opening of my mouth. That's it. And if I can quiet down my hamster wheel to be able to see his perspective, then maybe, just maybe, I'm going to see movement. We're contending at this church for a mighty move of the Lord. We, want, we all are super hungry, our leadership team, so hungry to see God do something like never before. Oh, that's me. I was like, it's an angel. Um, I don't know why I'm on there, but I'm going to keep talking. Um, there we go. Um, I'm often dissatisfied. I feel like I, I feel like I can be purposeless at times, even in the things that I love to do. It's like those are fleeting. I, I okay, I get to go be with my girlfriends for a weekend, but then it's over, you know. And I've never been the girl who's like, I'm gonna grow up and be a teacher, and I just know what my calling is. Some people in this room might might be that, and they know exactly what they're supposed to do, but that's never been me. And so I'm always searching out, like, what's my purpose, or at least my now. 
And I think that this is everybody's purpose. Like this is, this is who we're made to be. This is who we were, we are, we are disciples who were made disciples by disciples who are supposed to go and make disciples. Like this is the process. This is the game plan. You're dissatisfied with your life. Go, go and make disciples. And here's the thing. I, um, I don't know why, but I was thinking about a hot air balloon. I follow these little rabbit trails of visions God gives me, and they usually end up somewhere. And so I studied, like, what makes a hot air balloon go up in the air? I've never been in one. Who's been in one? Okay, awesome. And so I guess it's that the heat makes the air weigh less inside the balloon, so it allows it weigh less than the air outside the balloon, so it allows it to float up because the density isn't as thick as the density around it. I want to invite us today to get into the hot air balloon and unpack yourself. Unpack your to-dos. Unpack your legit prayers, your things you're contending for, the, the, the healings, the injustices, the enemies who you want to see things done to, whatever it is, you just unpack it, unpack it, unpack it. So that way we're not dense. We're not dense in our everyday lives so that way we can actually get some perspective to ascend with the King of Kings and see what he sees and follow through with what he asked us to do. It's not a heavy burden. It's not a heavy weight. It is a privilege because I remember. I remember how you laid there with me and held my hand. I remember. I remember. I remember. And there are people out there who don't remember. You know, 70% of people in the United States believe in God. 40% of the people who believe in God actually go to church, and 20% of the people who go to church show up to a Bible study or prayer. 11 Christians die a day. 11 in the world. That's about 300 a month. 105 churches are burned a month. Because of persecution. You know, suicide is the 10th reason for death in the United States. The divorce rate is up to 45%. That's like half of marriages. We have veterans in the United States who went and fought wars and bled real blood and died for our freedom to speak what we want to speak. There are nations where Christianity is illegal. There are nations where God isn't even allowed to be spoken about. There are nations where that's the number one threat, where you can't even have a Bible. And we have the freedom to do what we want to do with blood that was shed for us. There are real people who are dying for the cause of Christ. And we have the audacity to say, come Lord Jesus, come, but only into my bubble of my friends and not into anything that's inconvenient for me. Sorry, it's a serious message. 
I don't want to look inside anymore. I want to look out. It's not about us. It's about them. And we were once them, and we needed, we needed that person. We needed that person to come and tell us about Jesus. When you think about your, your walk with the Lord, everything adds up. Everything adds up. And I'm so concerned with real-life things that are really hard. And what we've done is we've created our own purposes. That is supposed to be God's. God's purpose is to take care of you, and your purpose is to go and make disciples. And what we did is we stepped into a position that's not ours to take, and we're taking care of everything around us. Let me, let me, let me, no, let me, no, let me. I'll do that. I can take care of this. No problem. And God's asking you to unpack your selfishness, get into the hot air balloon, and let it go. Trust that he has you. One of my mentors, she said something to me that I will never forget my whole life. I'm never, ever, ever going to forget this. Um, I met up with her because I was going through like a bunch of stuff and I was having like a panic attack. I'm like, oh, there's, you know, how like everything just kind of builds up. There's this and then there's this and then they were out of my coffee at my favorite place and, you know, and then the dryer broke and I'm wearing wet pants and, you know, and there's just like, it builds up. And so I went to meet up with her and I'm just sitting there like, unpacking all myself. Let me tell you about everything. And she just looked at me. I never forget it. I think she's an angel. And she goes, you need to know that you have nothing missing and nothing lacking. You are full and complete. And you started believing you weren't. I was like, oh. I'm serious. When I walked out of that meeting, I was like, I got it going on. (laughs) My walk was different. I was like, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I got blessings in front of me and everything's taken care of. Like, what what else can I think about? You know, like, I'm free. And, but seriously, we need to know we have nothing missing and nothing lacking so it can stop being about us because God provides for his people. It says that um, in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 8, it talks about um, for the upright and the righteous what God will do. And it talks about how um, he's our guard and our shield for our path and how he um, makes a way and how he protects, and how he gives wisdom like it's, like it's a treasure. And he just continues to give you understanding and revelation and all these things that you need that are high above the earthly needs that we're talking about. So we have to unoccupy ourselves with ourselves. It's like, um, have you guys seen the movie Up? And, you know, um, all the balloons. If you haven't, he's got a house, and he attaches a bunch of balloons to his house, and it causes him to float up because he was supposed to be getting evicted, and he doesn't want to leave. And um, 
as he's floating up, he has to keep cutting off balloons and letting go of furniture so that way he can stay afloat. And we got to let it go. We got to let it all go and know that it's taken care of. That's okay. You can feel the feels. You can be upset. You can cry out to the Lord. You can be disappointed. You can be concerned. You can be angry. You can be all those things. But it it can't consume you so much that you don't see what he sees, which is love and compassion for those around you. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to repent. We need to repent as the church for not taking our position. We are stuck. The Holy Spirit showed me that today there was going to be a shift, and I watched his arm go in the room, and it was like like that. And I just watched us shift into something that was like completely, like we were looking this way and then we looked that way. And it was like a different, a different viewpoint. So we have to repent today. We have to know that you only need God. Okay, so let's get into some practicals. I'm out and about and there's someone in front of me. I don't know if they know Jesus. And then I panic. What will I say? What will I do? What will I bring up to have a conversation. You ask the Holy Spirit. If he sent the helper to help you, then you better get acquainted with the helper if you want to do what he told you to do. So we have to get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And the first, my husband told me this, the first gift of the Spirit is love. So why don't we start there? Let's start with love And if you don't have love for anybody around you, maybe think about a person you love the most as a friend. And don't don't spousal love anybody else. Okay? As a friend. I'm just clearing that up. Um, Think about the person you love the most and extend that love to them. What would you say to them? It would be easy. How are you? I haven't seen you in a long time. What are you up to? Oh, I missed you. Are you hungry? You want something to eat? Right? Easy. God's job is to take care of us, and he's championing us. He's the little girl in the mirror. You got this. You can do it. I'm taking care of you. Your house is great. Your car is great. Don't you worry. I'm going to take care of all your finances. And you just keep going because I've given you wisdom and I've guarded your path. And you got this. And you're amazing. That's what he's doing. He's championing you to do what you are called to do into your destiny and your purpose. And if you feel a lack, it's because that's missing. How often do you feel better when you actually do something for somebody else? I feel amazing. And then when I do something for somebody else, I stop thinking about all the stuff I was doing because I'm doing something for them. It's all taken care of. Do what you're called to do. So, um, we can all stand. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.